what society coming to these days? That is, in fact, the question we're discussing today on the Heroes Story presented by the Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me is Josh Hayes. And Josh, I'm pretty, I'm feeling grumpy, old man, right now. That's because what I was of that thinking. Intro question. Yeah, I was thinking you needed to. Uh... Say that in a more grizzled uh, old man voice. In, well, in well you know, to... it's mid-afternoon. I've been talking a little bit mm-hmm. already today, mm-hmm. so the grizzle is out of my voice okay. at this stage. I've had some coffee. I've had some water. I ate a bag of actual, like, pickle slices. Oh, wow, yeah. That's, so, that's very old man-like. That is very old man. Um, I just, you know, I have a house, and it has, and I do have a lawn, so all I, and I have a rake. <laughs> but I don't. But so at some point, I'm going to have to stand out there, and this is how everyone will know that I've achieved peak grumpy old man stage right. of life. Is I'm going to stand out there at on my porch with my rake and with my coffee, and I'm going to shake the rake and just say, "Get off my lawn!" Even even, even no, when there's no one there, especially the, when yes, no one is yes. there. That's and may, unless it's my own kids, and then. You know. And then they're like, what are you talking about, Dad? This is our lawn, too. And <laughs> then you just go back to drinking your coffee and having an angry scowl on your face. That's right. I mean, that's my default mode anyway, that's, so that's it's fine. Good to know. But, uh, but no, we are – so we are talking about uh, – we're talking about society and specifically how Christians should be involved in the world today uh, by addressing the issue of social concern. So – as is our practice, we are going to to define what Christians mean by social concern. We're going to see where we where we see this call to social concern within Scripture in in a few places, and then we're going to talk a little bit more in detail around what we need to know about it and how it affects how we live as disciples and how we disciple others. So uh, let's kick it off with our definition, which is this. All Christians are under, under obligation to seek to make the will of Christ supreme in our own lives and in human society. Means and methods used for the improvement of society and the establishment of righteousness among men can be truly and permanently helpful only when they are rooted in the regeneration of the individual by the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ. In the spirit of Christ, Christians should oppose racism, every form of greed, selfishness, vice, and all forms of sexual immorality, including adultery, homosexuality, pornography, and everything else under the sun. We should work to provide for the orphaned, the needy, the abused, the aged, the helpless, and the sick. We should speak up on behalf of the unborn and contend for the sanctity of all human life from conception to natural death. Every Christian should seek to bring industry, government, and society as a whole under the sway of the principles of righteousness, truth, and brotherly love, and in order to promote these ends, Christians should be ready to work with all men of goodwill in any good cause, always being careful to act in the spirit of love without compromising their loyalty to Christ and to his truth. So that was a very 
very large definition. Yes. But let's simplify this. Right. And I like your on-the-spot uh, textual emendation with the uh, everything else under the sun when it came to sexual immorality. Because, you know, we always have to cover all of our bases with that because we as humans are messed up and we'll find new ways to commit sexual Absolutely. immorality. Absolutely. If we give... If we give specific examples we will take those as exhaustive and then we will find something new to do that is equally horrifying indeed and the um, bible shows the same wisdom and that it tries not to list things exhaustively when it comes exactly to that type of sin. exactly because we all do what's right in our own eyes mm-hmm. so yeah, there we go. It says that somewhere in a yeah. book of the bible right yeah and it doesn't say it approvingly so because <laughs> that's the major theme of judges yes yes just to be clear <laughs> yeah yeah so I, well, to uh, get back on track here and yes. discuss what this doctrine's about and more simplify it. Yeah, simplify this down for us, terms, Josh. We would say that caring about the condition of society is an extension of our love for neighbor, but placed on a broader scale. So if you mm-hmm. care about your neighbor individually, you care about everyone made in the image of God, you're going to care about humans broadly. So human flourishing is affected by... The, the state of and the structure of society so you you have to carry you have to care about uh, society and the and the problems and the challenges that face society uh, in order to truly love neighbor and appreciate them in the totality of of who they are both on on, on a physical uh, uh, physical financial um, you know health and spiritual um, uh, end, uh, to, to put it that way. If, if we want to see our neighbor flourish, so we want to see the society flourish. The neighbor's only going to flourish as much as society allows them to. So we as Christians, we need to do our part to create a state of affairs where human flourishing is more greatly prioritized and enabled. And that's where the debate comes in a lot of these issues about what's the church's role within in its society. I think most people, most Christians would agree that yes, we should love neighbor and we should care about where society is and use what influence we can, but uh, how, what does that look like? What means do we use? How closely connected should church and state be? How uh, trusting or, um, or involved with social programs that are state-funded should Christians um, be, you know, be involved with? So th- there's a lot of logistical issues, but the heart concern, I think, is shared by most most Christians is that we do need to care about the society because we, we, we need to do so in order to love our neighbor properly. Yeah. All right. So where do we see this in Scripture, Josh? Well, we see it broadly, uh, starting in the Old Testament. If you look at the law and the prophets just in general, so you look at the books of Moses and you look at the, especially the la- the latter prophets, the prophets who uh, have their oracles uh, written down, they, they address matters of faithfulness to the covenant. So they do have a religious interest when it comes to worshiping uh, the one true God, Yahweh, and following his precepts. But social justice is also a concern throughout the law. Lots of matters of um, civility and fairness and equity that are addressed there. Uh, but then also idolatry is, is addressed in speaking to the, to the religious concerns. So idolatry and injustice are these sort of twin concerns, and that, that's logical and expected uh, to see in, in Scripture because how you approach God is going to affect how you uh, approach your neighbor. Yes. So love for God and love for neighbor are uh, interconnected. They can't be 
uh, separated. So how Israel was to worship Yahweh was going to affect how they treated their fellow Israelites. And the, the same goes for us today. How we view God is going to affect how we see people made in God's image and how we, how we treat them. Uh, I think one of the uh, most informative and uh, helpful texts as far as insights on God's uh, priority uh, in terms of seeking um, human flourishing and, and the well-being of others is when Israel uh, was uh, about to enter into exile. Uh, he inspired the prophet Jeremiah to write this letter uh, to, to the exiles who had been uh, deported uh, from Jerusalem to Babylon. And we can't read the whole entire letter from Jeremiah 29, but uh, I was going to read a few verses from it, verses 4 through 7, and then you can see uh, God's heart for his people and the type of social concern they, they should have uh, when, when they're even in an unbelieving society, a society that isn't, uh, isn't one that uh, recognizes Yahweh as the, as the one true God. And mm-hmm. here's, what, here's what Jeremiah uh, writes. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. Thrive, And so you see God's purposes that uh, he intended for humanity from the beginning to be fruitful and multiply and to, and to flourish and to uh, spread knowledge of him across the earth. Uh, that continues in Israel, even in the time of exile. It was only meant to be a temporary uh, period of exile, about 70 years, as, as prophesied and as mentioned in, in the book of Jeremiah specifically. Uh, but even then, they're, they're to, they're to uh, live there in sort of an indefinite way, a way where they're putting down roots and going about life as normal and doing so in a way that uh, not only would um, help them flourish, but to help, help their neighbors in Babylon flourish, that they're to seek the, the well-being of, of the city and to pray on its behalf and to see, see that, you know, see that setting up a state of affairs that allows them to thrive will allow others to thrive. So it's not self-centered at all. Uh, Another key passage that I think really gets at the heart of what the law and what the prophets are about is Micah 6, 8. A lot of people are probably familiar with with this this verse. It's, you know, one of the uh, famous refrigerator magnet verses or bumper sticker Mm -hmm. verses, but it's it's nonetheless a, a good summation of of the, the emphasis of uh, the law and the prophets, and that's where um, Micah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what is what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. And so there you see sort of in a three-tiered way, uh, Micah summarizing what Jesus put in a two-tiered way as far as uh, the great first and greatest commandment followed by the the second most important, be, you know, being love for God and love for love for neighbor. Well, here you have, uh, you know, acting justly, loving faithfulness, and walking humbly with your God is a, is a sort of threefold or three-tier way of mm-hmm. uh, of summarizing the the heart of the law. And uh, just maybe one more passage to look at. There's many we could go to, but First uh, Timothy two is well known, where Paul instructing Timothy as a as a leader and pastor in the church. Um, exhorts him to pray for uh, those in power, those with uh, uh, government government authority, 
And so that, that shows us that there is a, a vision for this within, within the New Testament, even though the church and state are, are distinct and the church doesn't necessarily always have a, a place of prominence in a society or, or a, a direct means of, of influence over the government. Nonetheless, we're to pray uh, for leaders, no matter how pagan and, and wicked, wicked they may be, God still has purpose in putting them in their, their place of authority. So Paul writes to Timothy, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and uh, quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And yeah. so we are to pray in, in such a way where we can lead godly and, and quiet lives, and it doesn't matter who happens to be in office. And mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with the context of First Timothy, the Roman Empire in the first century wasn't known as a Christian society. No, it was generally not all that favorable toward Christians, um, particularly because of that ex- that insistence on the exclusivity of the deity of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, that there is no other God than the triune God, right. um, that's, that tends to be a deal breaker in right. a polytheistic society. Yeah, so that and that, and that it was a society that saw its own ruler as divine in some sense and as a divine yes. son. So rather than confessing Caesar as Lord, Christians were confessing Christ as Correct. Lord, and that, that was a point of conflict for the, for the early church with the broader society. Correct. Um, you know, and, and of course, you already mentioned, um, you already referenced Matthew twenty two thirty four through 40, which is where Jesus puts those two key things together of, the, of love for God and love for neighbor, that, that these irreconcilable, like these, ear, these, these partners that mm. cannot be divorced right. from one another, they have to be in in constant relationship because one flows mm. from one flows from the other specifically love for our neighbors flows from our love for God right um, and uh, there is one there's one verse that we were we, that I'm just gonna hit on one of them that's from this as well because it's really important and we'll get to a little bit why in a in a minute but it is important to how we think about how we engage in social in in society and seeking the good of society because in uh first uh 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 um Paul is talking about brotherly love and um basically engaging in the world of in the region of Macedonia um and he's and he says that uh that we encourage you brothers and sisters to seek to lead a quiet life to mind your own business and to work with your hands as we commanded you so that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone and so basically do your job don't cause a stink be good neighbors be kind Show and show non Christians that that Jesus is real, <laughs> yeah. is is basically the big idea yeah. of that, um, and that all plays into how we understand this doctrine. And so, one of those first things that we do need to recognize stems right from this, which is that there is a there can be, and this arguably is a larger concern that is unique to 
not just the North American Christian experience, but to the American Christian experience specifically, although it does get imported out out elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, which is there can be a tendency to confuse seeking social change with making disciples. And so this happens in a couple of different ways. So one of those things involves um, a phrase you used very briefly when we were um, early on in this, uh, this phrase, social justice. Right. Um, and that itself is a, is a tricky uh, two words because there are a lot of different meanings right. to that. Um, a faithful definition of it means, means, to, means essentially to follow the two great commandments. Right. Um, so um, it's it's following really Micah six eight, <laughs> right, um, right. and Matthew twenty two, that ultimately your love for God will be expressed in your in in pursuing and seeking the good of others. Um, there is a way to misunderstand that which said which basically can be summed up in the you know in the this idea of uh, that isn't true. Of preaching the gospel always and if necessary using words and so this idea that what we do um, speaks as much or if not more Mm -hmm. about the gospel than what then our words about the gospel Um, the and and those things are just not true the the church while while Christians should be doing should be doing good works, and we're expected to do good works. The mission of the church is not exclusively to be doing good works. Hmm. Our primary calling as the church is to proclaim the gospel, to um, to make disciples who know what it is that we believe and how to live in light of of what of what we believe. So there's both the caught and taught aspects. That means that good works are going to be an outflow of the church's ministry. Right. And we've seen this pretty consistently throughout the history of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, that wherever Christians go, society ultimately flourishes. Or historically, this has been the case, I should say. So where did where did schools come from? Well, they came from Christians. Where did hospitals That's come right. from? They came from Christians. Where did universities come from? Christians, mm-hmm. on and on and on it goes, um, and so we have to recognize this this truth that people who love God ultimately bring about good in society. Where we get messed up is where we try to divorce those two entirely, or we try to equate one with the other. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's right. And then when we make the church, the primary agent responsible for any type of social change or structure, uh, we're going to quickly see the church's limitations to, to do that. We aren't going to have the same level of, of facility, resources, or money to do that as, as the government or corporations can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that can't fall all on the church, and neither can we blame the church for all the ills of society. Church, church, the church can certainly be complicit we can turn blind eyes to social injustices at times and and, and, just, and just unhealthy tendencies within a culture, but we can't 
either expect the church to transform a society completely, to be the so, sole cause of, of change in a, in a society on a, on, a, on, a, on a grand level, and we can't blame the church and say, well, if the church was doing its job, there would, wouldn't be these certain problems in a society. That, that Even if the church is faithful, sometimes you still have those problems yeah. because it all relates to how a society responds to the, to the church's message and, the, and then yeah. their own understanding of what human flourishing is and how va- how valuable human beings are and so on and, and so forth. And when we make that the church's primary calling, uh, this, this seeking social change and, and societal um, transformation, um, not only will we quickly see the limits of the church uh, quickly, as I noted, but we, we sort of lose our uh, credibility. We lose our distinct presence to speak to, to matters of eternal significance. When, when, when we make there be a, a quote-unquote Christian position mm-hmm. about gun control or climate change, not that those aren't issues that Christians should, get, should be engaged with, but when we make there a uh, de facto Christian position on those as if the Bible speaks directly to them, as if we have a specific revelation about the, those matters, we trivialize uh, the church and and her witness uh, in in the society. We we really need to uh, posture ourselves to talk about what's uh, most important and to be charitable on uh, matters where the um, where the resolution to a societal problem, a, a, a more temporary problem. Um, you know, there, there's room for charity and, and debate. Some some allow some uh, levity there. So if we we care mainly about bringing about temporal societal change, you know, something that we can't ensure is going to be permanent. It's just it's going to change from one generation to another, or even one administration to another when, when it comes to presidencies or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but when, when we when we make that our primary concern, this this temporary change in society, we really aren't doing anything that another human institution couldn't do. And often these other human institutions have the w- greater wherewithal, greater resources to to uh, invest and bringing about change on, on, on certain matters. I think in that too, like, so since we've been talking about how these, there is this distinction between making disciples and seeking social change that, 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 that the pursuit of social concern, of, of our social concerns, being engaged in the world for the good of the world, that that's an outflow of our discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we also want to be careful that we don't, um, that we both don't see the see the 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 outflow the outworking as being secondary of secondary importance or as unimportant at all um, optional in any way. Um, again, think about James. Uh, James tells us that uh, that our faith will be known by our works, mm-hmm. not that our faith is established by our works, but that you can have a reasonable degree of confidence in whether or not someone actually believes what they say they believe by how they conduct themselves. And so we, if we are complacent in any way about the, about the ills that we see in society, so whether that is the things that, that um, are typically of great concern and most commonly spoken of, in um, within within evangelical circles, so particularly 
um, abortion and um, sexual immorality in right. all of its many, many forms, many forms, except for the ones that we don't like to talk about. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, but it also involves racism. It also involves um, sinful types of inequality. Um, and I want to be careful right. there, too, because there's lots of different caveats that need to be involved there. Um, it does involve... Um, uh, it does involve spiritual abuse. It does involve corruption. It does involve the, the, the love of money and the pursuit of ungodly gain. All of these things that, honestly, a lot of them have become almost respectable sins right. within our circles. And, mm -hmm. and we should be ashamed of that. Right. That if we're going to be, we just need to be consistent. And that's the thing that we need to to remember is that um and it likewise we also don't we also should be uncomfortable with every political platform that exists right um we are not uh we are not for one and against the other we're kind of against both on certain issues and we should be kind of for both on other issues mm -hmm. where that where they align with the truth that God has has um, as God has put in His Word, and as He um, as He is revealed through natural revelation, mm -hmm. through the wisdom that He has imbued us all with by virtue of being image bearers of God, mm -hmm. um, corrupt and as sinful as we may be at times, um, we can we can we can affirm and celebrate those things even if even if it does even if our affirmation of certain things does not equal full full and total um uh, endorsement right. of of right. anything right will we uh, limit ourselves in a sort of either intentional or subconscious way to only dealing with the sins that are widely regarded in our circles as as una unacceptable we really cut ourselves short of preaching the gospel. We're only preaching the gospel where it's convenient. And Martin Luther said something uh, like that one time, the one who um, only preaches repentance to the point where they're comfortable with it is not really preaching the, preaching the gospel. We're only uh, preaching the gospel to the point where we're not disrupting the, the status quo or our own uh, comfort levels. And that that's not real discipleship. That's that's creating a, a gospel according to our own values and, and concerns and interests, rather than allowing the gospel to uh, demolish all of our, our idols and our injustices that that have um, crept crept upon us. That that's the challenge of the gospel. That it's going to offend and challenge and convict people both to the left and to and to the right. Not to say the truth is always somewhere in the middle on any given issue. That sometimes that's not not the case. Truth isn't always uh, in, in in the middle. But the gospel will always uh, have something to say in correction to all human society and endeavors because there's going to be sin in the in the midst. There's going to be some sort of fallen components that that need re redemption, and so that's why we need to always keep the gospel uh, first first in mind as far as how we approach uh, social issues and, and, to, and to be mindful of where we might have um, bad tendencies or blind spots 
in terms of overlooked looking yeah. certain types of sin, as you were saying. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you referenced blind spots. That is thinking about how Christians engage in in the social arena in the public square. That requires a degree of humility mm-hmm. that only the gospel can bring, because we have to recognize the fact that we don't have a full and complete omniscient picture right. of things. We and those on those who are potentially on the other side of a um, of a debate or a posi- or hold to a contrary position. They likewise don't see the full picture. Right. We all we both only have parts. God has the whole thing. And so we mm. can bring the truth that we have. We can bring truth into those areas. And often the people that we're speaking to will also be bringing truth mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But we let God we we let God be the arbiter of right. that. Right. Right. So it's not let's 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 be the arbiter on God's behalf it's we we lean on God's word we lean on uh, we lean on the Holy Spirit to to give us the wisdom that we need to make as wise a wise decisions as possible in in however we respond to the ills of the world mm-hmm. so now that kind of leads us into really the difference that that um, a Christian, a, a proper understanding of social concerns should make. Um, which, how about Josh? You you lead us off with a couple of things. Well, well, looking at what is the Christian's responsibility within a larger society, we're we're really um, touching on something that shows us where the rubber meets the road when it comes to doctrine and life. So our ethics is always going to be informed by our larger theology, whether that be theology of uh, who God is, who Jesus is, or who, or who uh, human beings are. And in this case, it's our theology of what human beings are for and what is their role in society, then, and what is the church within that society. But it really shows, our, our theory really comes to the surface when we see how do we live on an everyday basis. So our faith does not consist of purely theoretical knowledge, and this is especially evident on a, on a matter like this when it comes to social concerns, but our ideas uh, lead to tangible action. If they don't, then we're really not believing in, in, with any amount of real conviction in, in the ideas that we, that we, that we, that we claim. Uh, so this is where the gospel can lead people to do great things for their fellow human beings. One thing we haven't touched upon was the abolition of the slave trade, and that was led primarily, uh, at least in the uh, transatlantic slave trade in, in uh, Britain, uh, with William, William Wilberforce in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the um, I believe, the 18th century, uh, 18th into, into 19th century. And, um, uh, and without his conviction about seeing uh, people from the continent of Africa as fellow image bearers, uh, that change wouldn't have come, ab- come about where finally it was, uh, you know, slavery was abolished uh, for the most part in Europe as a result of his uh, efforts. And, you know, it, it happened within his lifetime. He died a few days after uh, the final law was put into place banning um, the slave trade as far mm-hmm. as uh, Britain was concerned. Uh, but you see the rubber meet the road in terms of his theology. He was a pious evangelical, and it was his his own theology that, that drove him to care about this issue and allowed him to 
uh, see past the blind spots that others have and to um, try to motivate others to recognize where we where uh, society was uh, gravely mistaken and how it was treating uh, African uh, image bearers in, in terms of using them as, as chattel. Yeah. Uh, and so what we believe does affect the types of actions we will we will take. And, uh, and uh, Wilberforce uh, attempted great things for God because he had a vision of, who, of how great God was and also how great a dignity it is to be made in his image. So that just makes it intuitive that slavery is, un- is an unacceptable uh, convention uh, w- w- within society. And a Christian understanding of social responsibility and how sin has affected uh, human life and its um, its various uh, structures on a on a societal level uh, that should lead us to action in some way and that can mean sometimes vying for better legislation through whatever voice we, we might have to to affect that and it can also just mean uh, more. Um, Low, you know, uh, trying to think think of the right word here, but on a on a on a on a smaller scale, acts of restoration within your own community. So it it can manifest in ways of national legislation, but also local neighborhood projects where you're trying to help your neighborhood be, uh, become a more stable and safe environment. Uh, another uh, aspect we want to uh, we want to mention in terms of what difference that the doctrine makes uh, our doctrine of social concern is that we really need to hold our, our eschatology uh, in view. And eschatology is basically our belief of how things will wrap up. Where is history going? Where is God leading uh, the world? And how will uh, justice ultimately be administered uh, and implemented uh, for good in, in this world? So when we seek the, the good of others, especially those who might be less um, advantaged than we might be, uh, that's not only a Christ-like thing to do, but it, it causes us to long for the new heavens and the new and the new earth. Because our own efforts, whatever we can do uh, to affect society on a temporary basis, it is just that. It's temporary. It's, it's temporal. It's not something that can uh, stick around for good. There's no guarantee that whatever good we might do uh, for society, whether that mean bringing about uh, better and more just laws, uh, you know, uh, Having more accountability for for politicians and office holders, think things things of that nature, uh, that could all be changed within a within a generation, if not if not sooner. So nothing that we do that contributes to the good of society uh, actually brings about the new heavens and new earth. But because we are Christians and we're we're heavenly minded uh, for the sake of uh, doing some some earthly good to make uh, earth resemble what heaven's like to to some extent, as those who are. Uh, members of, of God's kingdom and are, are called to show people what, what kingdom life is like. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, that's really what Jesus is, is getting at. We're trying to capture people's hearts and imagination to see what human life was meant to be from the beginning and what it will be uh, when Jesus returns to, to make all things new. But we, we can't do that ourselves. That, that comes about supernaturally supernatu- uh, by God's power, and there will be sudden and abrupt transformation when, when Jesus uh, comes back to reign on earth and what's called the new heavens and new earth as we've been as we've been using that term and term and we're going to be talking about that in an episode soon but uh, we want to make society as just and peaceful as we can so this shouldn't leave us in complacency that well it's all going to burn up or it's all going to work out in the end at some point but uh, it should instead 
motivate us knowing that yes victory will come but it's our duty in the meantime to uh, make heaven as real as we can be it can be on earth but knowing that it, it's always going it's always going to fall short so god yeah. is the one who makes all things new and he will bring that work uh, to completion at jesus return uh, we we just in the meantime want to uh, make society as good as we can out of love for neighbor, but we know that it won't ever be fully perfected. So, yeah. in other words, we need to preach the gospel, love our neighbors, and know what we can't control, and to trust God in those endeavors. Perfect. That is a great note for us to end on. So, Josh, thanks for talking about this doctrine, and thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com. Love.